0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning to everyone. Yeah, amen. Well, I just want to say what an honor it is to be here with you today. Uh, I have so many emotions right now, you can imagine. Uh, So grateful to to Jake and Justin and to the team for inviting me today. Uh, Quite unexpected, but uh, really overwhelming. Um, I preached my first sermon here the first Sunday of 1990. How many of you were not born? (laughs) So you didn't hear that one. That's good. And I preached my last sermon here on Palm Sunday of 2002. And it was quite an emotional service. Uh, Red River Church was so kind to continue the legacy here in this space. And now Midtown Bible is here in this space. And there's Mary Bowles. Hello, sister. So good to see you. So good to see you all. And uh, the last Sunday we were here, First Evangelical Free Church, now Austin Oaks, there was a communion table here. And as we finished our time here as a local church, the older crowd came walking down the middle aisle. And as they came, maybe about 30 of them, they took the Bible off the communion table. Wrapped it in their arms, walked out the side door, and that was our last Sunday here at FEFC, or at 45th and Red River, we should say. And of course, it's always been about the people, it's not about the building, but this brings back so many memories to me. And um, just pray, pray for me that I can get through this. (laughs) Can I just open with a word of prayer? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be here. We're so delighted to be with people we know and love and new people we have just met today. And we are so grateful, God, there's only one church in Austin that meets in many locations. And we are delighted to be in this sacred spot, this holy spot, that 1962, this building was built for the Swedish Evangelical Free Church. And for 40 years on this campus, and then now, Lord, Our brothers and sisters at Red River and Midtown are here, and we rejoice in this time. We pray, God, that you would bring encouragement to us, and we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. So today, I want to talk to you about a passion for God. Do you have it? Do you have a passion for God? I mean, the truth is, it ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Some days, it's just... Filled with it, uninterrupted, we're so delighted to walk in the presence of God. Our sins confessed, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we just love knowing who God is. And by the way, that is the passion of every local church, to make Him known and for us to fall in love with Him and follow Him all the days of our life, right? That's what it's about. But sometimes I have to tell you that passion can be difficult to maintain. There are things that happen in our lives. There are circumstances that turn our world upside down. There are sins that sometimes beset. There are conversations that unsettle. And the next thing we know through these circumstances, that passionate walk, To follow Him with all our being is put to the side and we say, Lord, where was it I got off track? Where did I miss it? How do I get back to where you wanted me to be? Now, I'm going to tell you two stories that almost turned my life upside down that happened right here in this space. First of all, I was sitting. We used to sit back here in chairs. I suppose there's no room for chairs anymore. Well, we're sitting here as the old pastors used to do sit on the platform and wait for the things to happen. And standing before the congregation, leading us, was our six foot seven African American worship leader, Lawrence Hancock. How many of y'all remember him? Yeah. And he was leading us in this great song. And he turned back to the choir and stood there and didn't know where he was. And I'm looking at him from my chair. Lawrence, Lawrence, you all right? He wasn't all right. He had a brain issue, encephalitis of the brain that he didn't know about. And that following week, he went to the doctor and spent 30 days in the hospital as they tried to bring him back. He was never again the same. His personality was like a little child, and we'd sit together in the evening worship service together, but he was like a little kid, you know, what's next, pastor, what's next? Very sick man. I'd visit him almost every night, just go by and sit with him, and we'd talk, because we were partners in ministry. We were partners from 1990 to 1998 when this happened. So Lawrence is suffering from this brain injury. And then in May of that same year, 2018 or one, 1998, sorry about my dates, 1998, our, worst, our Hispanic pastor, Jaime Echeverria, was baptizing three people right here in this baptismal. He walked down the steps, and I was again sitting in my chair, getting ready to preach after the baptismal, and someone came in this door right here, up to the platform, and said, Pastor, please, Jaime collapsed in the back. And Jim was in full cardiac arrest. He never recovered. And in this space, about two weeks later, we had one of the most glorious services, memorial services you can ever imagine. We sang every song in English and Spanish at the same time. It was just wonderful. But here's Lawrence suffering from this brain challenge, and here's Jaime that's gone. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just not sure I can handle this. This is too much it got worse. In August, Lawrence passed away. But let me tell you how it happened. Once again, someone came to the door at the end of my sermon and said, you have to go to the hospital right now. His family's waiting for you to come. And I went to Northwest Medical Center. I walked in the room and here's this larger than life man, Lawrence Hancock, sitting with his mom and dad. And his mother is singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And as she sings Amazing Grace as only an African American mom can sing, Lawrence passed away into eternity. There were so many people that wanted to come to Lawrence's funeral, we had to hold it at Hyde Park Baptist Church. The church was filled with people, seven songs, of course, he's a worship pastor. There could have been more, but I remember being in that service thinking, is there someone else that could step up and preach this message? I don't want to do this. I just felt depleted. God gave me the strength. I stood and preached, but that afternoon I said to my wife, Kathy, who's with us today, I'm so glad she's here. I said, honey, I need to take a break. This is just too much to bear. I just don't know what to do. So I decided I would go find a pickup soccer game. That was my relief in the day. I was younger, of course, in those days. And so I went and found a pickup game, and we're having fun, you know, and carrying on, and you won't believe what happens to me. Someone, as I was breaking away for a goal, and I used to score a lot of goals, I'm just saying... And only now it's in my mind. That's all I can do now. But as I'm rushing down the field, some guy on the defending team, in a pickup game, for crying out loud, without referees, takes me out from behind. So I'm laying on the ground. I pop up, and I'm embarrassed to tell you what I did as a pastor. I started chest bumping this guy. This 18-year-old, I'm chest bumping a guy on the pickup soccer field. And the guy looks at me like, man, what's wrong with you? And I said, oh, came to my senses immediately. I said, listen, I, I'm so sorry. I said, I have had a very bad day. In fact, I've had a very bad month. And honestly, if you want to know the truth, I've had a very bad year. I was exhausted. I was depleted. I was burned out. I was so sad that this passion I had preached about for so long was leaving my soul and my mind because of all these circumstances that were around me. I want to ask you a question. Is there somebody here that can relate to me? Is there somebody here that would say, you know, I wanted to follow hard after God. I wanted to be His disciple. I have experienced the depth and the love of God. But in this moment, as you found me coming today, I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to tell you, I'm just not feeling it. In fact, I might say to some in this room, you might not be feeling it more than you are feeling it most of the time. That the way life is going, the way the culture is pushing back, the way things are so hard to understand, you might be saying to yourself, will somebody please tell me how to keep this passion alive? Do you want to know how to keep the passion alive? Well, I understand that Midtown is in a summer series in the book of Psalms, so I wanted to take you... To another one of those psalms, Would you look at your Bibles with me? The Psalm chapter 63, and, and, I, and I want to do something, if, if I may, if it's okay, Jake, to an old tradition I had, would you please stand in honor of God's word? Psalm 63: "O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you." My soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. And Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands." My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. And because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him. With the mouths of lions, they will be silenced. Our Father, we pray that you'll take the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts and make them pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Lord, there are so many memories we have in this space. Both Midtown, both Red River, both First Evangelical Free Church. Lord, thank you for this provision. But Lord, we want to go beyond a space and find that place where you will show us how to keep the passion alive no matter the circumstance, no matter the trouble, we pray that you speak to our hearts today, Lord, and set us on the rock that is you and help us to go forward, to finish strong, filled with the power of your Spirit. And We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Please be seated. Now, I've got four points I want to share with you today, I think, that are just incredibly important to being able to keep the passion alive no matter what's around you. And here's the first of those. To keep this passion alive, I would say our desire must be for God. Look what he says. He says, oh God, you are my God earnestly. I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's a powerful statement. In fact, let me say it another way. There's such an intensity that David has here. But what's interesting is, I did not say these words because I wanted to show them to you now. What does it say before that psalm is, is given to us? What's the title at the top? A psalm of David, what does it say? When he was in the wilderness. Now, I've I've thought a lot about this. I think for sure he was in a geographical location because he was either being chased by Saul or by Absalom. We're not sure which one. But it's more than just a geographic location in my view. I think it was the condition of his soul. A Psalm of David, when his soul was dry, when he was in the wilderness and 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 God's presence wasn't to be felt. So what does he say? He says, I will seek you earnestly, eagerly, immediately. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. Sounds a lot like Psalm 42 as the deer pants for the living water. So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet God? That's what's here. It's the the longing of a man who really desires that friendship, that sense of love coming both directions. C.S. Lewis said it this way, he sounds like he has an appetite for God. I like that. Now, it's interesting, what is the basis here of David's strong desire for God? You ready? Write this down. He remembers the past. That's huge. In this immediate issue where he cannot sense the presence of God, and he's drawing near in this wilderness, he says, I remember the past, and that changes everything. Look what he says here. He says, in the past, I'd seen God's awesome, holy presence in the sanctuary." In the past, I'd beheld God's incredible power and glory. In the past, I'd become a recipient of God's steadfast love. In the past, I'd come to understand God's personal interest in me. He is God. Oh, my God. And that's what I cling to. When I don't feel it in the presence, I think about the past. And I remember those moments where God was so near that's really powerful because it's said in another place this way. This I call to mind and therefore I ho- have hope, says Jeremiah, because the Lord's great love we are not consumed. He has compassion. His compassions never fail. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What does what Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, say when he doesn't feel God's presence? He says, I remember his past faithfulness. That's so important to remember what came before. I remember one time there was this lady um, who lost her cherished son in a a military accident in training. And I remember watching her and thinking, what in the world? How is she being so strong? She's comforting everybody else that's come to this memorial service. And afterwards, I didn't ask her immediately. I waited a couple weeks, but I just said, what was that about? And she said, let me tell you. When the loss came, when I, lo- when I lost my precious son, she said, my, my oil, the, my cup was full. The oil was full in my cup. And I was able to take the tragedy because I felt the fullness of God's presence. There's a second principle I want you to see here to keep this passion alive. I said that our delight Our desire must be for God, but now I say our delight must be in God. Look at verse 3 here. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Now, I hope by now you have uh, read John Piper's book, Desiring God. I hope you have. Yeah? If you haven't, you can write that down and say, I think I'll read that this coming week. Because in his book, he puts forward a premise that I love. And he says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most delighted in Him. So in other words, he changes the whole motive from walking with God from like a duty to Kind of grit it and just bear it instead. He says, no, no, no. The motive in following God is delight. We love to follow God, desiring God. And that's what that's what David is saying here. He says it in another Psalm, Psalm 37, 4: Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Then David, in this this principle of delighting in God, says there's at least a couple of ways that he expresses that delight. Number one, he says through active worship of God, which includes continual words of praise and lips filled with songs and uplifted hands. And then he says another way he expresses his delight in God is, is through complete satisfaction, like having the best food. Like, have you ever been on a cruise? Um... You should lose a lot of weight before you go, but it's, it's a 24-7 buffet, and I'm just saying it's hard to discipline yourself, and you're on a boat for crying out loud. You're going to come back weighing 30 more pounds. It's just crazy, but that's what image I have. We just have this banquet in the presence of God, and then he says, I also delight myself through total preoccupation with god on my bed i remember you i think of you through the watches of the night whether i'm falling asleep whether i'm waking up i'm always thinking about you and i just have to say i woke up numerous times last night because i was thinking about today this is personally so overwhelming for me to be standing in this place And I love that my God, our God, is ministering to us through the watches of the night. Isn't that wonderful? That He just continues to be our delight. You know, there have been people along the way that we have known. In fact, we know them in the city now. A young man named Shane, who's been in a wheelchair all his life, Uh, another young man that we all know that used to worship here, now worships up the stone has cerebral palsy. We we know uh, J.D. Hartman. We know guys that and men and women that have, have from physical appearance, less reason to be praising God with hands raised. But I just loved in the old days when one of these brothers used to sing so loud and people would come up after him and say, Boy, that guy's singing out of tune. I go, Yep, I don't care. (laughs) He's just letting it go. Or the time where J.D. Hartman, who had an accident in a family swimming pool and for maybe seven, eight, nine years could not talk or communicate, and one Sunday we're worshiping the Lord, his mom would give me a little clue, said, hey, J.D. said he'd like to sing this song on Sunday. Okay, J.D. can't sing songs. We'll sing it anyways. And he always sat over to the right, and I hear J.D. singing at the top of his voice, in our worship service, God healed him that morning. And his mom comes over and says, hey, you know, I I can't tell him to be quiet. I said, don't tell him to be quiet. Just let him go. Why? Because that is a way to show our delight in God. There's a third principle I want you to see here about keeping this passion alive, and it's this, our dependence must be God if our passion is going to stay alive. Now, it's interesting, he says here, because you are my, what, help, because you are my help, I sing in the shadows of your wings my Soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Now, what the psalmist is saying here is that we can depend upon God because He is our help. Let me say it another way He's our advocate. That's powerful. God is our lawyer, so to speak. He speaks up for us. He pleads our case, and it's based on this idea of Him being our help. Psalm 121, you remember that psalm. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I, uh, I'll, I will, uh, you will not let my foot sleep, uh, slip by You searches over me, over my slumber. He just says all these things about God's help. You can read it, Psalm 121. And in fact, if you don't have a Sunday school lesson for today and you needed one, here it is. Let's talk about the Lord's help that is powerful, reliable, refreshing, complete, and eternal. That's what Psalm 121 says. That's the kind of help he has. Now, here's the question. What does does that help cause David to do? Well, first, it causes him to sing. <laughs> I know I saw some of you, grumpy, grumpy. My voice isn't as good as anyone else. I'll just, okay, mm, just hum along. No, 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 no. Let it out. We don't care what you sound like. God loves what you sound like. No matter how precious or difficult your voice is, He loves hearing you. That's what he does. In fact, um, I sometimes sing in my car. And it's dangerous in the winter because sometimes I have my windows down and I come up to a stoplight and, you know, I'm just, well, oh, that's a strange man. Yes, of course. But sing, let it out, let it, let it come out. I mean, We see that in our children, don't we? They just naturally sing. But also he says, when I know that God is my help, and my dependence is in Him, I become aware of that help, and it it helps me take my part in the commitment. My soul clings to Him. His hand, what? Holds me up. Sounds a lot like James 4.8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Some of you have heard this story before, but I... I I love this story it's It's so telling, so years ago, we used to take our boys on a on a backpack trip up to Colorado they We started when they were maybe five, six years old, and it was so funny. you know my first pack was like fifty pounds, and Stevens was like two and then, as they grew up, you know it kind of leveled up, and finally we kind of put fifty on them, and we became the two, right but there's this one trip where we the kids are like maybe in first grade, and we're up in this high mountain pass in, in Southwest Colorado, southeast Colorado. And we kept talking about these thunderstorms we'd heard about coming over these hills, and we're in a box canyon, and that's exactly what happened. These clouds start rolling in, and that thunder starts thundering, that lightning starts lightning. And what did we do? We jumped into our REI tents that REI said would stand up against the hail. So there we are. We're in our tents. The foundations are shaking. You can feel it all over the place, laying in our sleeping bags, Stephen and I. He's maybe like six, seven years old. And he goes, Dad, are you okay? I go, Yeah, you okay? He goes, Well, yeah, I'm okay. He said, But did you bring your Gideon Bible, your little green Bible that's got the Psalms in the back of it? I said, Yeah, I did. Why are you asking? He goes, Well, I'm okay, but could you read some of those when I am afraid psalms to me? (laughs) And we did for 45 minutes. When I am afraid, I will trust in Him, right? Here's the last principle. What I'm saying to you is the passion gets hammered by all kinds of circumstances, And in response to keeping that passion alive, our desire must be for God, our delight must be in God, our dependence must be on God. But now I'm going to tell you probably the most important of all the four principles. You ready for this? To keep the passion alive, our defense must be from God. They who... Seek my life, will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over the sword and food for the jackals. I love those verses, don't you? I love those verses, but I often don't keep those verses. Um, I started when I was 35 years old in this place. 35. I'm 67. 67. And I hate to say, along the way, I tried to defend myself a few times. I forgot that God was my defense. And Kathy and I, against my will and wishes, did some purging yesterday. I hate purging. She goes, you need to clean up your study. And I'm going, it's, it looks fine to me. What's the issue? So we're purging. And you know what happens when you purge? You start opening old folders that are like that thick of emails back and forth with disgruntled members of the congregation. (laughs) And you know what happens when you read those emails? It all comes back to you again. I mean, you just feel it rising in you, just thinking about all those moments that because of justice you had to make it right and can i tell you something would you write a word down you ready so many things are write it down unnecessary absolutely unnecessary i maybe that's something that comes with age what would you say (laughs) as you get older you're just going "Ah, i know where that one goes And I'm not going there because I don't want a folder of 60 pages that I'm shredding now that I'm almost 70. And you know what else? God has a way of always working it out. Wait on the Lord, right? Wait on the Lord. I say wait. Wait on the Lord. Let Him take care of it. You know, there was a guy that drove from out in the country that never even came to church hardly anymore when I first came in 1990. But he showed up when the vote was taken whether this young whippersnapper of 35 years old should be the next pastor. To vote no. To vote no. Now why would anybody vote no against me? I do not understand it. But he did. And he was a what would you call an obstinate kind of person the whole time? I was here until he got sick. And he called for the pastor to come and say hello to him. He had something to tell me. Walk in the house, the bed, hospital bed is in the living room. And he says, come over here, Pastor Rob, I want to talk to you. And he had he had said some pretty tough things along the way. He says, come here, Pastor Rob. I'm going to die this week. I want you to know that. And I want you to do my funeral. And I want you to know something. I was rough on you. And I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? I waited for that for 15 years. But you know What? God is good. And God has a way of taking care of things the way God wants to take care of it. And you know, as I wrap this up and I, and I appeal to you to not be side-swiped or sidelined by your circumstances in life, but rather have this passion for God that doesn't stop. And I tell you, To do that, your desire must be for God. Your delight must be in God. Your dependence must be on God. Your defense must be from God. I want to tell you about somebody that knows how to do that. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things were practiced by Him. I mean, talk about somebody who could have gotten off track. Somebody that could have said, as He Stood next to somebody that just took him out. I've had a very bad year. Talk about somebody that was so misunderstood and nobody seemed to get him, even the best of his disciples. Talk about somebody that was willing to take the beatings and the scorn and the spitting and the humiliation and yet bear it, because his desire was for the Father. That's Jesus. He's our example. He's our Lord. And as a 15-year-old boy, that's what got my attention when I realized that Jesus could have come down from that cross. He could have called a couple of million angels To just wipe out a couple people. But he took it. He took it. He did not allow even the worst humiliation to upset his passion for his father. You know, there might be somebody here today that does not know that relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. And frankly, I want to tell you about four things, four lines. You ready? What was, what is, what can be, what will be. That's the gospel. You ready for it? What was, we were created in a perfect world. Our ancestors had a perfect relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No problems. Until Genesis 3, they decided to go their own way. What was, was beauty and perfection without sin. What is, is they chose to be autonomous and to go their own way. And as a result, they plunged all of their descendants into sin by nature and by practice. That's who we are. We are sinners by nature. We're sinners by the choices we make. That's what is. What was perfection? What is brokenness? What can be, Jesus comes and says, whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? Receiving His sacrifice in our place so that we can live now and forever. That's beautiful, isn't it? What was sin? What is? What was was beauty, what is is sin, what can be is salvation. Ready for this? What will be is eternity in the visible presence of God forever. The only way, my friends, to have a passion for God is to be saved by God. Have you received that gift from Him? Let's keep the passion alive. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.